of children anyway. I appreciate the way that they participate and cooperate and, and always have a joyful look on their face when they're doing it. But uh, it kind of reminded me of a story uh, about seven. Since he used the word seven, uh, a husband whose wife was turning 40 worried about turning that that awesome age of 40 years old. And he happened to overhear her talking to one of her friends on the phone and heard her talking over and over, and he kept hearing this word, seven, seven. So he thought on the weekend that he would plan something great for her birthday. So he got up early in the morning and he took her over to the local park where they had all the rides and the merry-go-rounds and, and you know, the, all the rides that goes back and forth. He got her on every one of those rides. And then when she got off and she was hot, he took her over and bought her some cotton candy. And then he got her some ice cream. And then he got her a cold drink. And, and they went through every ride in the park. Then when they were finished, they got in the car, he started towards home, and he thought, my, I'll take her to McDonald's. So he took her to McDonald's, got her a Happy Meal. When she finished with a Happy Meal, he bought her another milkshake. By then, she was wore out. They got home, she laid down on the bed, and she was so exhausted. He said, how does it feel, honey, to be seven again? She said, you idiot, I met my dress size. <laughs> seven, you know. I tell you, People don't understand a lot of things, and men always get in trouble when they try to understand their wives. And this fellow got in trouble doing that. I want to share with you this morning a message that that I feel is uh, it's an old time message, and uh, because I'm I'm just from that old time era. I don't know. I just like the old time things, and so I read in First John chapter number one a scripture this last week about the word and about our religious experience. And I, I want to share with you from that Scripture lesson this morning just the first four verses. For chapter 1 of 1 John says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared that we have seen to testify to it. And we proclaim to you eternal life which was in the Father and appeared in us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son of Jesus, Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make your joy complete. I want to talk to you this morning for a few minutes about a religion that can be felt, that can be seen, that is practical. And so when I begin to think about it, I want you to know God is real today as He was when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was thrown into that fiery furnace. Our God is just as real today. He's here with us today. And I want you to know that in this materialistic age, people today, it seems like, tend to believe in what they can hear, what they can see, what they can touch with their hands, what they can taste and smell. Many have set religion and God aside 
because they feel that this is something that they can't see with the physical eye. They can't touch with their hands. And so they've kind of parted ways with a God that is real today. Many of them think about God. And, and you know, I would, I would like to present to you a demand for today in this world that we have a concrete religion. That we have one that can be felt. The Bible gives such a religion that kind of a look. For God has a church and a religion that can be seen, it can be heard, it can be touched, and I will tell you what, it can even be tasted. And I want to present that to you because the Apostle Paul was a realist on his way to Damascus the day that he got converted. I want you to know that his, on that road to Damascus he discarded what was so-called realism to reality. There's a lot of people that have realism today, but they don't have a reality. They don't know. They haven't touched. They haven't felt. They haven't sensed the very presence of God in their lives. And so I want you to know that he found Christ to be real and holiness to be possible and sin to be a fact and heaven and hell to be a certainty. That's what the Apostle Paul came off of the Damascus Road with. And he began to spread that message throughout the area when God filled him with the Spirit. Today, many have thought of the Bible as being a worn out, outdated book. Many times we hear people say, well, I can't hardly understand the Bible. Is there some other translation? Is there some other way that I can read and understand it? Let me tell you something. I believe the Bible is as real today as it was the day that it was published. I believe that it still works today. It's not an outdated book. Too many think of God as sitting somewhere on a high throne far away in the eternities where they can't touch Him. But I've got news for you. First of all, I want you to know that Christ built a church. I believe in the church. And it will stand and has stood. Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I want you to know that the gates of hell have tried to. If you look at the Scripture, you will find that hell has thrown everything against the church. It has thrown apostasy. It has thrown uh, atheism. It has thrown materialism. It has thrown communism. And I want you to know that Satan has instigated in many times to destroy the kingdom and destroy the church. Even in our day and age, we watched, as we've seen in the, in the news over the last couple of years, of these who repressed Jesus Christ, who were born-again Christians, who were knelt, and they literally cut their heads off. Now, we read about it in the old days. We read it in the Fox Book of Martyrs. We read about all of that. But you know, the devil has caused the burning of the Bible. It has caused Christians to be burned at the stake. It has caused them to lose their heads. But I want you to know that with all that the devil has brought against it, the church is still alive and well. God still has a people in spite of it all. The kingdoms rise and fall. Centuries come and go. But the kingdom of God, the angel Gabriel said, and I love it, for the Bible says, he said, there shall be no end. I want you to know there's not going to be an end to the church. I believe in a religion that can be seen. Now I want to talk to you about how you can see it this morning. Because you see, John wrote, that which has been from the beginning, which has been from the beginning, which we have seen with our eyes and we have looked upon. Now you know what John was talking about? The Apostle John was talking about that he saw Jesus. 
He saw him baptized. John saw Jesus and heard him pray. He heard him witness and he saw the miracles. He listened to his prayers. He walked with him through the Garden of Gethsemane. He stood there and watched him as he died upon the cross. He stood there and seen him as he literally was resurrected again from that grave. John knew what he was talking about. That's the reason why that John and Peter could stand before the council in Jerusalem when they many people would have been backed off and many would have been afraid they'd lose their head. They'd be afraid they'd be persecuted or their lives would be taken. But you notice what John says. As for us, what we have seen and what we have heard, we cannot help but speak about. Let me tell you something. When God does something in your life, you can't help but speak about it. You can't help but do it. John's seen the Lord. I want you to know that I've seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord. I want to tell you something. I can remember as a young man going to Anderson camp meeting. I mean, it was an exciting time. I, I wish they still had that camp meeting. But you know what? I can remember being at that camp meeting on Thursday night when there was a divine healing service. I can remember a young girl that had a withered hand from birth. I can remember in that divine healing service when the saints of God gathered around her and they anointed her and they prayed for her, not in a back room somewhere, but at the altar. And I want you to know that God instantly brought healing to that hand. I can remember her standing on the platform. They showed her off and they should have. They showed her off in every service and she would stand there and she would raise that hand and she would move her fingers and say, I want you to know, this is the Lord. I seen the Lord. I seen in that same camp meeting when a young man was wheeled in, about 17 years old, who had been crippled from birth in a wheelchair. I want you to know that we don't hear much about this anymore. The reason is, is because people think of God as being somewhere far off. Let me tell you something, my friend. God is right here this morning. He's here in the midst. This young man was driven down and brought to the front of the church. Couldn't get up on the platform. They went down and they kneeled and they prayed for this young man. I want you to know he walked all over that campground during the rest of the week telling people the story of how Jesus had strengthened his legs and gave him the power to walk again. I see the Lord. You see, that's how you see the Lord. It's not something, my friend, that's, that we're looking for as a visible human being. We see the Lord. I saw the Lord as, as this young girl stood. I saw the Lord as this young man was saved. But you know what? Many people saw the Lord in that healing. I saw the Lord many other times. I pastored for 15 years in western Pennsylvania in a church called Newcastle. We had a young girl, a beautiful teenager, who had gone to a birthday party. She had gone to a birthday party for some of her friends, and, and they had a pool in the backyard, and the water got a little bit low, and it, it wasn't but about a four-foot pool anyway. And this young girl dove into that pool and broke her neck. They took her to Pittsburgh to the hospital and they didn't know whether they could do anything for her or not. But I want to tell you something. Tammy Garver was a young girl that trusted and loved the Lord and trusted the Lord. And she said, Pastor, I want you to know that I'm trusting God to take care of this. I want to tell you the whole story. The rest of the story is that she is alive and well today. She, in fact, she came out of the hospital and went to camp meeting and she had this brace on her neck. And everybody was worried to death about her. Tammy said, I've come to camp meeting because I want the saints of God to pray for me. I want God to do what He said He could do. I want you to know she's a physical therapist today. She has two beautiful children and a handsome husband. Why? Because i seen the Lord work in Tammy's life. I want you to know that God's real today. You can see Him. You can see what He does. 
I've seen the Lord, my friend, many, many times. I've seen the Lord in His church. He promised where two or three are gathered together in His name. Isaiah believed that. For the Isaiah said that he was in the house of God when he saw the Lord sitting high upon the throne and lifted up. You know what I tell people when they say, I've had a lot of people say, Preacher, I've never seen the Lord. How can I have faith like that when I haven't seen the Lord? Then go to church. I'm not talking about going to some entertainment center. I'm not talking to go somewhere where they're going to tell you a little fairy tale. I'm talking about going to church where God is there and God is in the midst and His Word is working. When you go to church, you'll see the Lord. That's where Isaiah found Him. That's where you'll find Him if you want to look. I've seen the Lord right here in this church. I can see the Lord right here today. I look out here and I see Sister Willie. I see her sitting here and I can remember when she was so low and, you know, people prayed and they gathered around her and they prayed and she's here today. I see my wife. She moved kind of the back because they were worrying about whether she needed a little uh, hurting from sitting. But you know what? I've seen the Lord work in her life. I've seen the Lord. I, I look right here. This morning I see this young man sitting down here in a black shirt. I'm going to tell you something. I, I tell you what, Brother McCracken, I want you to know that the day that I saw you at your home, I had been looking for you for a week and a half. And I just decided that the Lord had laid on my heart, I needed to go and find out where you lived and where you were. And that day that I came to your house, you could hardly move. I want to tell you something. God moved in a mighty way. He is here and alive today because God had done something in His life. Let me tell you something else. We took him over to the hospital, followed that little wife of his, and we got him in the hospital. We said, you know what? We need to let his family know he's not at home. We've taken him to the hospital. And I began to try to figure out how well I knew. I knew he had a daughter who lived in Worcester. I knew he had some kids out of state. But I didn't have any idea who, where, where I'd ever get a hold of them. But I said, I'm going to try my best. And so I left the hospital room. I walked out thinking and talking all, all the time. You know, I talk to myself all the time. You know, I'm pretty smart. You always talk to smart people. <laughs> you know, I talk to myself all the time. I'm saying, Lord, how can I do this? Somehow, I know some folks in New Philly that know him. I, I know some folks over here in Sugar Creek that know him. I'll get a hold of somebody. We've got to tell his daughter. I want you to know as I opened my car door and I reached in and grabbed my cell phone, I opened that cell phone up and I had a missed call. I had a missed call from his daughter. Now you tell me God doesn't work. Let me tell you something I had not. She was calling to tell me check on her mom and dad. And here we had already taken him to the hospital. But let me tell you something. I seen the Lord. And I want you to know that God is real today. He's still working. If you want to see the Lord, my friend, then go to church. I mean really get involved. The difference between going to church and watching church on television or on the Internet or, or, or wherever, let me tell you something. The difference in watching that, is, my friend, is the difference between having your sweetheart that you would like to hold her hand and give her a little kiss on the lips and you're talking to her on the telephone or you're, you know, you're, what do they do today? They Facebook them. Let me tell you something. You can have all that. I'd rather have my arm around my wife than to have her on a Facebook somewhere. Let me tell you something. That's the same with God. You know what? If you want to get in contact with God, you've got to come to church. You've got to come where He's at. And I saw the Lord. Let me tell you something. I saw the Lord the first time. The first time, first time I ever seen the Lord, I saw the Lord, I was praying. It was when I was 15 years old, and I was kneeling at an altar because the Holy Spirit had dealt with me. The preacher had preached a powerful message, and God 
dealt with my heart and I came to that altar. I want you to know that when I came to that altar and I opened myself up to God, I laid everything that was in Gary Swagger on that altar and said, God, I'm yours. Take what's good. Get rid of what's bad. I want you to know that instantly God saved me. Instantly God cleansed me. Instantly God put my name in the Lamb's book of life and said, canceled on my past life. I want you to know that I seen and I felt the Lord that day. Now some folks don't feel, some folks aren't excited. So I, you know, and I'm not criticizing that. I'm glad everybody's not as crazy as I am. Not as emotional as I am. But I want to tell you something. I believe the Lord. My sins were taken away instantly and remembered me against no more. I experienced genuine Holy Spirit conviction deep and definite repentance, a positive experience. I want you to know I saw the Lord that day. Hallelujah. I got a brother in the back, got a friend back there. He saw the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There He is. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to tell you something. When God does something, you know what I'm talking about. You've seen the Lord. You've seen Him work. Every time you looked in that mirror, you saw the Lord. You saw what He was doing in your life. You saw what was happening. Let me tell you something. God's real today. And we got to get out of this idea of thinking God's some far off place. He's some imaginary human being that lived years ago. Let me tell you something. He's alive and well today in the life of the church. You can see the Lord in death. Did you know that? You know what? As we begin to think about it concerning the way of martyr, Stephen, remember the story of Stephen back there in Acts 7 and in the 7th chapter? Stephen looked up steadfastly into the heavens and he saw the glory of the Lord. And the Bible says that he saw Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. And behold, I seen the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. If you want to see the Lord, my friend, in dying, you must know Him in the living. You must know Him now. I can remember being in Springfield, Ohio, at the hospital, with a wonderful saint of God, a lady that loved God, Brother and Sister Steinmetz, I pastored them. They, they were retired preachers. I'm going to tell you, they, that, that man, I'm going to tell you something. The whole time I pastored there, every Sunday morning, he would come to the office. And he would say, Brother, I've come, the Lord's laid on my heart to come and pray for you and pray that the Holy Spirit would anoint you in the message. And you know what? He started coming. Soon, pretty soon, two or three others saw him going in the door. And they came in. Yet I'll never forget it. He came in one day and there was about five men in there. And they started talking about this problem. That problem. He said, Hold up, fellas. We didn't come here to talk about problems. We come here to ask God to anoint the preacher today. I want you to know that when he couldn't even come when he got sick, he would call me on the phone and pray for me every day that I pastored that church as long as he was there. Let me tell you something. You know why? Because he knew what it was to see the Lord. I remember his little wife sat laying there in the bed. She had been there for over a week. She was getting very weak, down almost to the end of her life. And he would come every day and he'd sit by her bedside and hold her hand. I would go every day and I'd see Sister Steinmetz and we'd pray and we'd talk a little bit. She got weaker and weaker. And finally she said to me, Pastor, she said, I believe, I, I believe Jesus has said something to me last night. I, I believe He's going to come for me. 
And you know, I'm ready. I'm ready. I don't want to leave my husband. I don't want to leave the church. But but you know what? I'm ready to go. I walked in. He's sitting at the bed and he's got a grip of her hand. He always sat there and patted their hand. Rubbed her hand. I thought he was going to rub the skin off that little hand. He just sat there and rubbed her hand every day. He loved her. And you know what? I walked in. He said, Brother, he said, I believe Daisy needs for us to pray that God would release her from all the pain she's gone through. I said, Brother, we can do that. I said, Daisy, we're going to pray. And she opened her eyes and said, I prayed. I'm not telling you, it wasn't two seconds after I finished that prayer that her hand dropped. Her eyes rolled back. He looked at me with tears streaming down his face. He said, Mama's going to heaven. Let me tell you something. You can see the Lord in death. You can see it. I had a wonderful saint over in Belfountain, Ohio. Clarence Penorwood. The Penorwood family. Great family. Clarence was a great Bible-believing Christian. He, he loved the Lord. He, he went on work camps with me. He, he came to all the men's things. and He was just a wonderful guy. But Clarence had a heart attack. They'd rushed him to the hospital. He was in the bed and, and there wasn't anything they could do. You know, they called Bell Fountain Hospital as a band-aid station. They were going to take him to Dayton. And they said, he's had his heart attack and, and we got to get some, get the family in here and the family all gathered around and, and they began to talk and Clarence said, listen, I'm ready to meet the Lord. Everything's okay. If this is the way God wants me, it's okay. But they were insistent that they were going to take him to Dayton. So the nurse said, well, you're going to have to give some information. So they went out. And I was sitting in the room with Clarence, standing by his side and holding his hand. He looked over at me, and a big smile on his eyes. His eyes got wide, and he literally sat up in the bed. And then his eyes went to heaven, and his hands went in the air, and he flopped back. I went out to the hall and said to the family, don't bother the transportation. Clarence has already made his journey. He went to be with the Lord. The nurse rushed in. She started checking him, checking him, checking him. Checking. She doubted my word, you know. And she was checking them all out. That Clarence had gone. You know what? He had seen the Lord. He'd seen the Lord. My mother-in-law got saved late in life. Read the Bible through over and over. I can remember the day that she passed. It was an Easter Sunday. I preached in the morning. My wife had been there all night. She'd been sitting with her mom. I got to the hospital. I said, honey, you need to go home and get cleaned up and get a shower and take a rest. I'll stay with mom. It'll be fine. She left. Within 35 minutes, her mom began to take a turn. And you know what? I saw her mother as she looked up, she was looking to the ceiling. She kept looking, kept looking. She kept staring and staring and staring. Pretty soon, she began to reach. And then she left. You see, you can see the Lord if you look for Him. We need to see the Lord today, church. He's real. He's alive. He's well. I want to tell you something. Jesus, you can see the Lord, but not only can you see the Lord, but you can hear the Lord. You know, the Bible tells us, John wrote, that which we have heard, we declare unto you. Now, the reason we're not hearing a lot of this declared much today is because a lot of people aren't listening. They're, they're, they, 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 you know, we, we have this tendency that we know so much, we talk so much, that nobody else has a chance to say anything. You know, the best thing you can do sometimes is just, just be quiet before the Lord. 
But you know what John said? That which we have heard, we declare unto you. Jesus said concerning His followers, My sheep hear My voice. My sheep hear My voice. Listen to that. And they declare, and they call My sheep by name, for they know His voice. At the time of Christ's baptism, they heard the voice of the Lord. You remember when Jesus was baptized? Jesus was baptized and God spoke out of heaven and said, This is my Son. You know what? I thought about that crowd. It's much like the crowd today. When God spoke about His Son, many people looked around and said, Well, that's just thunder. I'm going to tell you something. To those that don't believe, it's just thunder today. But to those that believe, know the voice of God. And God knows your name if you're a Christian. I've heard people say, I heard my name called and I didn't know who was calling me. I'm going to tell you something. I've heard my name called too. Sometimes God's saying, Gary, you need to get straightened up. You need to do this or you need to do that. I'm going to tell you something. When you read the Word and you hear the Word, it speaks to us. The redeemed hear the voice of God. Others hear nothing but thunder. Moses heard God's voice many times. You remember Adam, Adam and Eve as they walked through the garden of Gethsemane. You know, they, they had it made. I mean, every day they went there and God walked and talked with them until they did the wrong thing. They, they sinned and they did what God told them not to do. And then, notice what it said. The Bible says even then, God came walking in the garden and He cried out, Adam! Adam, where art thou? And Adam heard the voice. Adam said, Lord, <laughs> you know, we, we, we were naked. We were a little bit ashamed. And, and he said, how do you know that? You see, as long as you, when you sinned, you knew it. You know what? Sometimes that happens to us when God calls us and God wants you to do something and you say, oh, I can't do that. I, I'm not good enough to do that. You know what? You're just about like Adam. If you're not good enough, then you need to get good enough. Okay? You need to be in the position where God can call you and talk to you and send you and work through you no matter where you are. You know, and you know, I thought another time. You remember the Ethiopian eunuch the Bible talks about? You know, Philip was in a revival. He was having a great meeting and souls were getting saved and, and God one night in prayer spoke to Philip and said, I want you to go to the desert. I don't know how well I do that as a preacher. If I was holding a meeting, had a great, great meeting going, and God's going to send me out to the desert where there's nobody. I'd question that. Philip didn't. Philip obeyed the Spirit of God. When God said go, he went. He canceled the meeting. He took off. He went out into the desert, and what did he find? He found a eunuch driving along in a little chariot. And he had the Word of the God in his hands, and he's reading it, but he's not understanding it. And so he, Philip said, do you understand what this is? And, and so God has sent Philip to interpret that Scripture to that eunuch. And when he heard it and he understood it, he got saved. And not only did he get saved, but he said, well, well, well right over there is a river. Why can't I just go ahead and be baptized? And the Bible said he baptized him. Now, let me tell you something. He heard the Word of the Lord. You know what? God speaks to people in every church every Sunday all over this country. God spoke and speaks to some of you as you sit here on services, Sunday after Sunday. But sometimes you just think, well, the preacher is just a bunch of thunder. 
instead of letting the Holy Spirit deal with your hearts. God speaks to us when we listen. There would be more... I'm going to tell you something. I believe that as we heard, the man believed and was baptized. And he heard God speak His Word. He, was, he, he not only heard, but he believed and he measured up. You know what I believe? I believe there would be more measuring up to the Bible if there was more reading of the Bible. I believe there would be more measuring up if there was more preaching of the Bible. Amen? I believe there would be more raising up. I, I'm appalled by the trashy news stuff that we see in our country today. I can't go in a drugstore. I can't go in Walmart. I can't go in any store without them sticking all this trashy junk up there at the register. And you know what? We see all of this junk, the publications that are there in grocery stores, in, gro- in uh, drug stores, the reading tables of our homes of my friend are covered with this stuff. But you never see a Bible. You never see a Christian per- periodical that, that somebody's reading to learn to get closer to God. God does not speak to us through cheap, trashy reading material. I want to repeat that. God will never speak to you through trashy, junk reading material. God only speaks to you through His Word. That's why it's important that we listen to the Word. God speaks through a divinely called ministry. The prophets of old said, Thus saith the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something. When they say, Thus saith the Lord, people got their eyes up and listened. Because they knew that those prophets were with God. The prophets of old called for that. I'm going to tell you something. Churches and ministries that are filled and preach the message of the Word, I want to tell you something. It still changes lives of people. But we need to have more of it. You go to the house of the Lord. Let me, let me give you, let me give you an influence how you can feel God and how you can experience God and how you can hear from God. When you go to the house of God, when you walk into the house of God, you must come with a pure heart. You're coming with a pure heart. You're coming with praying lips. You're coming to hear and asking to hear the voice of God speaking from heaven to you through the messenger. Now, no matter what I say, you may not understand. But I'm going to tell you something. If I'm prayed up and you're prayed up and you come seeking, let me tell you something. You'll hear something from God. Jesus said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And then he said, Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Boy, you know what? Think about this summer. Think about the hot days we've had. I don't know whether some of you have been out in that heat and been where you couldn't get water. Oh, how you thirsted for that. How that any kind of water. I mean, I went to my car and I pulled out a bottle of water that had been sitting in that car and probably 80 degrees. But I was thirsty, brother. I didn't care if it was cold or whatever. It was wet. And that's what made the difference. You know what? Sometimes we try in the church, we try to have this idea, the only thing I'm going to accept is what fits my taste buds. It's not your taste buds. Let me tell you something. It's, it's having the water of life. It's having the Spirit of God. It's having God cleanse us and refresh us and make us feel better about who we are. I'm going to tell you something. David encourages us to taste and see that the Lord, he said, is good. I'm going to tell you something. I, I tell you, God's good. He's not good just some of the time. He's good all the time. God is good. God has been good to me. And God has been good to His church. 
And so there's a sense in which Christianity can be tasted. I believe true religion makes people smell different. Where are you going? I don't tell you where I'm going. I tell you what, I, I'm, I'm appalled sometimes. I pastored my first church in the state of Tennessee. They raised tobacco down there. They called it tobacco. I had one fellow in the church, you know, he, he didn't believe in that stuff, so he had about two acres of strawberries. I mean, the best strawberries you could ever eat. I mean, they're beautiful, big strawberries. And my son was just a little boy back then. And they'd take him out and they'd set him down in the middle of that strawberry patch. And he'd come out of there, he'd have red all over him. And <laughs> big things running, juice running down. And I said to the church one day, I said, you know what? I don't believe God wants you to be raising that tobacco. I'm in tobacco country. Some fellows told me at the door, said, brother, you want to watch what you're preaching around here. That's how they make their living. Well, you know what? I know people make their living making beer and whiskey and wine. That doesn't make it good. It doesn't make it right. So I preached against tobacco. <laughs> some liked it and some didn't. I said to one fellow, I said, why don't you get rid of that tobacco field if you feel that way and plant strawberry? He said, brother, don't you know that we can make a living off of a half an acre of tobacco how much you think we're going to make off the strawberries? <laughs> you know, we, we justify things. But I'm going to tell you something. I believe that a real Christian, when we approach heaven, I'm going to tell you something, we better smell different. I want to tell you something. I believe that God removes from the breath the odor of whiskey and beer and wine and tobacco and drugs. And the biggest problem we have in our nation today, it is appalling to me how we worry about everything, but yet we justify more and more of drugs and alcohol. And it's still the number one problem in our nation. Taking the lives of thousands of people. Our society will never be popular with God, my friend. It'll never be popular with God the way that we're living today. I want to tell you something, the church will not approve of it. When you approach heaven, you better come with clean hands and a pure heart. You can feel the religion of God. You know what John said? He said, our hands have handled it, the word of life. Our hands have handled it. You know what, he, you know what that tells me? The word of God tells me that where two or more are gathered together, he's in the midst. And he also says, if there's any sick or afflicted among you, what did he say? Let them lay their hands on them and pray the prayer of faith and the Lord would raise them up. You see, there's something about the experience of the Word in our own hands, in our own life, in what we do. We can feel the religion. Certain Jews doubted whether a blind man was healed or not. You remember the man that was that walked around, he was blind from youth and uh, from, from birth and and it heard about Jesus. And Jesus touched him and opened his eyes. And the Jews didn't believe in that. And so they said to the man, they went to him and they said, well, tell us about this thing. Tell us whether you really are, are faking this or not. Whether you really could have seen before this or not. He said, he said, what about this guy? He said, I don't know a whole lot about him. I just know one thing. I was blind and now I see. I can't explain to you everything that God does in our lives. I can't explain to you why God takes away appetites, why God delivers some and doesn't others. I know one thing. I know that I was a sinner and God saved me. I know that I've been sick and God's healed me. 
I know that I prayed and asked God to anoint and do what He wanted with me in my life, and I know He's done it a few times. Why? Because, you see, I believed. You've got to believe what the Bible says. And so one thing this man said, whereas I was blind, I now see. A person who had been saved from sin, you know, I hear this all the time. I had a fellow one time who was saved from sin. Somebody said, hey, it's out on a job. He was testifying about how he got saved. And he said, you know, he said, I was saved. He said, hey, don't you think you ought to say, I, I, I hope I'm saved? I, I think I'm saved. And the man looked at him and said, man, you've got to be crazy. I was there when it happened. <laughs> I was there when it happened. I want to tell you something. I don't hope that I got saved. I don't think I just got saved. I know I got saved. You know why? Because I was there when it happened. Let me tell you something. When you're there and God does something in your life, you can't help but share it. The lame man that was healed at the gate, beautiful. You remember the story how that after Peter had preached that great preaching, great message, you know what? And he was standing at the at the at the gate, beautiful, and he was begging, and 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 Peter and John, you know, they they were Church of God preachers. They didn't have any money. He said, "Silver and gold have we none." But such as we have. You know why we don't preach that anymore? Because sometimes we don't have enough of God ourselves. The Bible says that He said, Silver and gold have we none, but such as we have we give unto you. And they took Him by the hands and they prayed. And they lifted Him up. You know, I like that. I preach a different message on that. You know what? When they lifted Him up by His hands. We need to learn this, church. When they lifted Him up, they didn't just say, Get up. No, they, they lifted Him up. They held on to him for a few moments. And as they held on to them, he began to get strength in those legs and the muscles began to get strong and he began to move those feet and they, they began to let loose a little bit to see if he's going to stagger or fall. And when he got the standing strong, the Bible says he took off for the church. He took off into the temple. Now they were in there in a quiet time having their little peaceful prayer. Here come this maniac running down the center aisle praising God. None of them probably never lift their head and said, what in the world did they leave a guy like that in here for? But as they looked up, they said, that's the man. That's, the, that's that guy that's been at the gate all these years. You know what? When God does something in your life, just be yourself. Don't worry about what other people think. Don't worry about what other people say. Just be what God has called you to be. I want to tell you something. That man went leaping and shouting and praising the Lord. Kind of interrupted their prayer meeting. But you know what? I think today what we need to do, we need to reach out to... Peter preached that day on that marvelous message of anointing of God of 3,000. Had a heartfelt religion. I pray today that maybe God would give us a heartwarming religion that we would feel the presence of God, that we would know who God is and what He's doing in our lives. And you know, I thought about this. I, I came across an old song. I, I, years ago, I tried to sing, and I never did make it. I, somebody told me, don't ever give up your first job if that's what you're going to do for a living. And so I, I took their advice. I thought it was worth it. But uh, you know, there's an old, old song. And I, I'm going to close with this morning because... Joyce is going to try. I told Joyce, if, uh, we're going to try this. If it don't work, it's like uh, Ron Patty used to say, it's either going to be really great or it's going to be a flat tire. 
So I don't know what it's going to be. But I'm going to have Joyce come and she's going to come to the piano. And this morning I want to, I want to share the words of this song to you. Just for a moment and, and listen to the song. It said, some people say this old time religion is just a thing of the past. But I know, I know, there's no doubt about it. He's real in my heart. And I'm going to shout it. And while I share these words this morning, just listen to the words. Don't listen to how they're done. But I want you to stand with me because if you have a need, I want you to know that God's here this morning. Old time religion will work in your life. If you need sin cleansed, it can be cleansed. If you need power healing in your body, you can be healed. Whatever your need is today, if you'll come, I believe that God will meet that need as we sing this morning. Let's listen to the words of this song as we try to sing it. Okay, Joyce. Thank you. 